Hello and welcome to this podcast produced by the Northern Region of the University and College Union. My name is John Bryan and in this episode we're looking at industrial action. Starting off looking at industrial action that's taking place in the higher education sector right the way across the United Kingdom. But of course we're concentrating on the institutions in the Northern Region. Starting off with one of the institutions where there is a reballot taking place, Newcastle University UCU. And then we're talking to Durham University UCU where there has been strike action on the 1st, 2nd and 3rd of December. And then we'll be talking to Northumbria University UCU and they are reballoting having just fallen short of the 50% plus one threshold which you need in order to take industrial action. That was decided by the 2016 Trade Union Act, widely known and widely believed to be an attempt to try and stifle industrial action, stop people from taking strike action and stop any disruption taking place. Now, I'll also be talking to someone from the National Education Union about the issues that they have in teachers' pensions and teachers' pensions in the independent sector are under attack. And then we'll be talking live from a picket line at the NASUWT picket line at Furrowfield School. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's the final one from December 2021. All the best for the new year. Okay, we're joined on the podcast now by Matt Perry, who is a Labour historian and is also the branch secretary of Newcastle University, UCU. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you, John. Hello. Uh, and thanks for joining us. And we're going to talk about industrial action and in particular, the industrial action ballots that are happening at your university in your branch. Can you tell us, first of all, a little bit about the disputes? <laughs> Yes, yeah, so there are two disputes that are running in parallel. Um, the first is in relation to the USS pension scheme. So every three years, the, it seems there's been an assault on the pension scheme because of the kind of phony valuation approach that was established. Um, so people remember the, the Maxwell affair. Uh, so there's enormous scandal about pensions in this country. And um, the government was very clever in the way that it uh, re- reformed the pension scheme so that we've got uh, three yearly valuations that are extremely pessimistic, that make any defined benefit contribution, um, defined benefit pension scheme look like it's in massive deficit when it's buoyant. And this is all so that you can shift the responsibility from employers, from the pension scheme to the individual. That's part of the dispute. The other part of the dispute is the four fights. And that's um, an attempt by the union to really address the way in which neoliberalism has has ravaged HE in the last 10 years. So... Um, the casualisation, the widening gap between um, um, in pay between gender and uh, ethnicity, disability, um, the loss of pay in real terms over the last 15 years um, and the sort of that people have. So that's what the disputes are about. And that's why we're developing such a momentum nationally 
in, in, in challenging the employee's agenda. And your branch at the moment is engaged in a reballot because you missed the trade union threshold of 50% by just a handful of votes, I understand. Could you talk to us about why the Trade Union Act is such a kind of assault on our ability as a union to organise and you know why you will have to reballot at this moment in time? Yeah, we missed we missed the four fights ballot um, by one vote, and there were so there were hundreds of reasons why that was the case. Um, so, people who received their replacement ballot too late, the post getting their ballot sent in too late, um, people being away, all sorts of different reasons that would have clinched that one vote, that solitary vote that we that we um, missed out on, on being able to take action. And so we could have been in that first wave of action very, very easily. Um, but the, the 2016 Trade Union Act is an attempt by the employer, by the government and the employers to, to try and muzzle the unions, to further weaken the unions, to further, um, to further shift the balance of power towards the employers and towards um, big business. Um, and it encourages university managements to, to act more like biz business, big business every day. Um, so those kind of checks that there used to be um, by, you know, with a vibrant um, staff voice, uh, that, that's, that's been eroded. But I think what's happening is that, you know, certainly our union is kind of working out how to do this, <laughs> getting better at it. So it's... So it's um, you know, it's, it's different. It's a different terrain of trade unionism where you, you're doing more kind of a, an operation that looks like telesales and, um, you know, kind of a, a rigorous um, tech based approach to getting members to vote so that so that we can meet these thresholds. I mean, I think it's interesting that the that the. Um, the cooling off periods have, 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 become, have increased. So everybody knows that, that um, when trade unions were really strong, when there was a grievance, you could act immediately. Um, and it's, it's now um, the earliest you could take legal industrial action, having formulated a grievance probably about six weeks now. Um, and the, and the um, hoops that you have to jump through in order to get to that is, is extremely difficult. But the encouraging thing is that, is that our side is learning how to do that. I think that's important. I suppose one of the things that people will be thinking about is because of all those hoops that you have to get through and because of that six-week period, as you say, why is industrial action, you know, taking action short of strike or strike action, why is that something that we still need to do as a union in order to kind of pressurise them? Why is that such an important kind of step to take? Well, trade unions started as um, big chests of money. <laughs> trade unions started as, as um, workers would, would uh, informally gather together enough money in order to be able to go out on strike um, because it was the only leverage that they had um, with the early, in the, the early days of the trade union. Um, you know, the employers had the rights of 
you know, the kind of master of the manor and, and such like, you know, you think about the traditions of the northeast of England with, with the, um, the Durham, the Durham coalfield, you know, those kind of semi-feudal um, power in the hands of, of, the, of the land-owning um, coal masters. So it was really important that, um, that we recognise where trade unions came from and the leverage that we need to be able to exercise in order to, in order to, um, to secure our rights, to secure a decent pension. Um, we're not asking for very much. Being able to um, retire in, um, you know, in, in non-degrading circumstances seems a reasonable thing to ask for, or asking for um, equal pay for um, men and women colleagues, or asking that um, higher education should provide um, permanent jobs for people. These aren't um, ridiculous, exorbitant demands. These, these are pretty basic. Okay, that's really helpful, Matt. And I know that your ballot, your reballot, finishes on the fourteenth of January. What sort of things are Newcastle University UCU doing to maximise, you know, the turnout in the dispute? Well, obviously, we're doing all those things that you have to do in terms of um, chasing the members, emails, um, texting, and so on. But we've tried to we've tried to um, bring the enthusiasm of where the disputes already. Um, kicked off into the branch and some of the local disputes that have happened. So at our last branch meeting, we had goldsmiths who've been in um, industrial action. And we had a delegation that went, that visited the Durham picket lines when they were on strike. And one of the fantastic things that's that's happened is that we've we've twinned with both Durham and Leeds who are, who are providing support for us in, in our reballots. So I think that's, that's really encouraging that you're getting the, the solidarity working both ways in, 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 in the union, that you get a kind of building up of, uh, of momentum and, and, um, and practical, concrete support. That's brilliant. Uh, thanks very much for coming on and talking to us about the dispute. Best of luck with the reballot. Thanks, John. And we're joined on the podcast by Laura Campbell. And Laura is one of the representatives of UCU at Durham University branch, who recently smashed the threshold for taking industrial action by getting 63, 64% in the industrial action ballots. Um, How do you think you kind of managed to do that, Laura? Well, it was particularly challenging this year because, of course, members aren't allowed to vote online because of the um, the sort of anti-trade union laws. They need to actually go to a physical post box and post off a letter, which is easier said than done when people um, are working from home a lot of the time. They're not commuting. They're not passing post boxes. Um, and, and it's also difficult for reps in the department as well because we're just not seeing people. I don't know what other people's experience is, but certainly in my department, I, it's quite empty a lot of the time. I'm not really seeing people in the kitchen. All our meetings are online, so we're not having that kind of chat afterwards. Um, so we've had to move basically all of our com- campaigning online and all of our get the vote out. So we used various methods for that. Um, we... Um, from the kind of centralized committee, we used apps like ThruText to send text reminders. Um, we did phone banking as well. So we actually had committee members just ringing people, 
you know, reminding them to vote. But it also kind of pushed us to improve our lines of, communi- of, of digital communication with members within departments as well. So certainly in my department, we set up um, a departmental WhatsApp group, which seems like quite a small thing, but actually it made it a lot easier to to kind of remind people to vote in a way that was maybe a little bit less intrusive or a little bit less sort of um, formal than than sending them emails every week. And we asked people to confirm when they'd voted on the WhatsApp group. So again, they're, you know, constantly getting kind of friendly little notifications, just reminding people. Um, but I think in this sense, the, the work of departmental reps was absolutely essential as well, because... I mean, send, you know, getting texts from the central um, that, you know, the, getting texts from the branch is is great and it's a great reminder. But that actual engagement comes from people know, um, you know, friends and pe- that people work with within the department. So I think the reps did an absolutely fantastic job by staying in contact with people, keeping open those lines of communication, even though we weren't able to see a lot of people in person on a regular basis um, and just kind of reminding people and encouraging people to send off the ballots. And I think that's what really helped us um, get that great turnout. Well, that sounds really good. And obviously when it came to the strike action, I suppose in some senses you kind of think, what's it going to be like on the picket line? Because as you say, a lot of stuff's done online or a lot of stuff's done digitally. But actually, I mean, you were one of the picket supervisors. And on one of the days, I counted well over 200 people on the picket line. I mean, what was that like in terms of, you know, the number of people there and, you know, the different types of picket lines? You know, what was your kind of experiences about it? Well, again, we had a really impressive turnout on the picket lines, despite the weather, despite the pandemic, um, despite the fact that, again, people aren't commuting regularly. So, yeah, it it was really heartening to see so many people turn out, so much support. Um, I had, you know, great experience on the picket line. Um, It was great to actually catch up with colleagues I hadn't actually seen in person for two years. It was very COVID safe. We wore masks. um, We tried to be socially distanced where possible. Um, and I think it was it was really good to see that level of support, you know, people actually turning up in person to support the strike. Yeah, it was a very positive experience. And, and there were other trade unions as well who came down to offer support, which was great. I just wanted to ask you finally about industrial action, because obviously you can take strike action, which the branch did at the start of December. You can take action short of strike. Why do you think it's important that these kind of you know, different ways of taking industrial action is important in, you know, trying to win the disputes that we're involved in? Well, I mean, as I think most people are clear on, strike action is always our very last resort. Um, You know, nobody wants to go on strike. Nobody wants to withhold their labour. Nobody wants to, you know, deprive students of their classes. But, I mean, we've really reached a point where it's our only option. Um, where, you know, withdrawing our labour and telling the university that this is really, that we're really angry about this. We're we're angry about the four fights disputes. We're angry about our pensions Um, and showing them that actually the university runs on our labour and actually a lot on our unpaid labour, on all the sort of, you know, hundreds and thousands of collective hours of unpaid overtime, which, of course, you know, hopefully ASOS will, um, will bring to light. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we need to remind the university that actually, well, when I say the university, I don't mean the university. I mean, the management. We are the university. And when we stop working, the university stops as well. And I think it's really important to remind them of that. 
Okay, I'm joined by Andy Feeney. Andy is the Vice Chair of Northumbria University UCU and they are in the process of reballoting on the four fights dispute that's taking place nationally. Now, people will know that you need to get 50% plus one turnout in order to be able to take action and Northumbria University UCU were just a few votes shy of actually getting there, 47%. Now, it's quite clear that people were in favour of taking action because 91% of people voted for action short of strike and 73% of people voted for strike action. So, Andy, can you tell us what the issues are, particularly around things like workload, which are concerning people at Northumbria University? Hi, yeah, of course. Um, well, all of the, the elements of, of the four fights um, are important to, to our members, um, but it's perhaps workload that, that's most relevant um, and speaks directly to um, an individual circumstances that we have at Northumbria. In general terms, we've seen people's workloads increasing over the years. Um, Northumbria has had a, a big reduction in terms of its administrative support staff, which has put an administrative burden onto the academic staff. In addition to that, we've had the research excellence exercises, um, which has increased, again, additional administration, but the pressure to do more research. And now we've got the teaching excellence framework, um, which again, brings more and more pressure onto people to increase their teaching contact, to deal with, with students on one-to-one and to, to have a whole raft of new new tasks that they've got to engage with. In the past, we've been able to, to manage workloads through the academic workload planning model that we negotiated several years ago. And the Vice-Chancellor himself has acknowledged that this was negotiated with UCU and then became part of established terms and conditions as much as any other aspect of our contract. Um, but we've been seeking to, to, to revisit that um, over years, and we've, we've had on and off meetings, but it stopped, start, and then obviously the COVID situation intervened. But in generally, we hear from members that they, they the one-to-one, the one-hour, what's called teaching delivery-related activity, essentially teaching preparation, um, is just grossly inadequate for, for the, the onerous tasks that teaching involves these days. So we've been seeking to increase that. Um, but as I say, the meetings have not really uh, gone very far in, in, in recent months, even recent years. But what we have seen is management identify one group of academic staff um, who are seeking to change the nature of their, well, their job title and the nature of their contracts. And in doing that, they're seeking to actually reduce the teaching preparation that these people get. So whereas we're fighting for an increase across the board, They've targeted this one group and are seeking to decrease it. We've challenged their, their methodology, if you like, their, on what basis are they seeking to do this? What's their data set to suggest that a one-hour preparation for a one-hour teaching is, inadequate, is, is ex- excessive? And it turns out they said, well, we don't know. There's no scientific method. Um, a senior manager who's not a teaching member of staff has never been a teacher is not an academic, said he had a look at the teaching materials that people used and he felt that 20 minutes was a better um, amount of appropriate preparation time. During the course of um, deliberations with, with those members of staff, that was increased to half an hour. But again, entirely arbitrary figure plucked out of, plucked out of thin air. Um, no rationale for it other than this senior manager seemed to think half an hour was what he thought these people um, deserved. 
So we're saying in absolutely no way is a reduction in teaching preparation for any member of staff an appropriate thing to do, and certainly not slashing it by 50%. To put it in terms, um, that means that someone who's engaged in, say, teaching 14 to 16 hours a week, management's essentially saying, in a five-day week, you've got a free day. We want an extra day's work out of you on top of the your, your, your teaching loads. Well, we used to say that's an adequate amount of work to do in five days. We're now saying you can do it in four days. Um, obviously, we, we, we were challenging this, and this is, this is just not a thing we can, we can um, accept at all. The university, not only that, but says they have the right to do this. They're saying that this additional one-day-a-week work is not affecting people's basic terms and conditions, and that consequently they have the right to simply impose this upon our, our members or group of members in this case. And this just does not make sense. Clearly, with anybody, any objective observer would say this is a fundamental matter of terms and conditions. And if one group of staff is allowed to be treated in this way, then there is nothing to protect the rest of the, of, of, of the staff base. And we know that the research exercise is going to try and divide people into researchers and non-researchers and perhaps push the teaching load onto those who do less research. And one way to increase the teaching load, obviously, is to reduce the amount of time that they're given to do adequate preparation. And finally, if management can do this with an issue like workload, which, as I said, is so fundamental to what we do, then they can do it with any other aspect of our contract. And UCU just cannot accept that. They have to negotiate these things with us. So on the issue of workload, we've already declared a local dispute. Um, it's obviously part of the four fights nationally that, and one that we're particularly focusing on. Um, but we may well find ourselves balloting um, for local action in addition to the national action over the four fights. We see this coming through as a culture change um, in the way the university has been run, perhaps as a result of change in senior management. Um, but it's moving in a direction that UCU is just unable to, to tolerate. And we are reaching now the end of the line where we are going to have to come into to confrontation with the university. We hope that you're enjoying listening to this episode of the podcast produced by the Northern Region of the University and College Union. And just before we move on to the next section, when we're looking at other trade unions in the region taking industrial action, just want to remind you about the branches that we've heard from and you can follow them on Twitter. So it's UCU at Durham, UCUAT Durham is how you follow Durham University UCU. And for Newcastle University UCU, it's at Newcastle Uni, UNI, UCU. And for the Northumbria University branch, you can follow them at UCU NU branch. Now, in this next section, we're talking to someone from the NASUWT and someone from the National Education Union about the strike action that they're either involved in taking or preparing for in order to fight back against the cuts and changes that are taking place and basically to try and make work better. Right, so I'm on a picket line here with uh, John Hall, and John is one of the national executive members of the teachers' union, the NASUWT, and we're outside Furrowfield School in Gateshead, where this is the 26th day of industrial action, of strike action. 
Uh, John, can you just tell us a bit about the dispute and what it is that the union's trying to achieve here? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the dispute began uh, November 2020, but uh, my colleague, uh, the Gateshead Secretary, Alistair Parker, has been dealing with issues at Furrowfield School since November 2019. So we started to try and resolve issues from then. Um, Unfortunately, we thought we were making some kind of progress in the spring term of 2020 when a health and safety um, stress at work survey was carried out. And that survey, which was carried out at both Furrowfield and Eslington School, uh, identified serious uh, management practices which were related to bullying and harassment. And once the, the, that information was then relayed to the executive head teacher, she then uh, stopped talking to the NASUWT and Unison at the time. So we tried to make progress uh, informally, nothing happened, and then I became involved in June 2020 we tried to resolve things with Gateshead Local Authority and with the Chair of Governors. Again, uh, they, were, they were hiding behind the fact that they thought that the issues were just a small handful of staff at the school rather than it being a major problem in both Eslington and uh, Furrowfield. Because of the lack of progress, our members began to get frustrated and annoyed. The executive head teacher, which was mainly the focus of the adverse management practices continue to behave in that way in the the autumn term of 2020 and so our members who would as I say tried to resolve things informally decided that they wanted to be balloted for for industrial action I was more than happy to do that so we balloted in October 2020 got a a resounding yes Um, but we didn't take action we uh, decided we'll let the employer hopefully informally deal with the the situation no progress was made then a vexatious grievance was manufactured by the by the school against some of our members who were taking the industrial act who were voted to take the industrial action and so the dispute in a sense never really started to get discussed until the summer of 2021 because there was a lot of to and froing about the this vexatious grievance etc Fortunately, around June, July 2021, the employer eventually started to um, revisit the stress at work survey and said that they will look at that now. You know, whereas 12 months ago they said that they wouldn't. And we started to put together an action plan with, with the school. So that was some kind of progress. Grievances that had been investigated uh, were determined and there were uh, concerns about the chair of governors at the school and also about the executive head teacher's uh, behaviour and management practices. Um, however, uh, there was still no uh, acceptance of what the uh, our members were doing and, and we still hadn't managed to talk about the, the dispute, which was the adverse management practices. It's only really since we started taking the strike action from November onwards is that has the employer really started now began to sit down seriously and deal with the 19 adverse management practices that we'd identified as, as, as a union um, last night we had a, a, a fairly successful meeting we think so we may see the light at the end of the tunnel hopefully um, we will make progress in 2022 a steering group has been set up 
to oversee the running of the school. So basically the school is in special measures uh, with Gateshead Local Authority. They're putting into place a committee to, to oversee the school and all the issues that are that we've identified will be addressed through the steering group. So we've made, us, we've made some progress. We've achieved a dignity at work policy, uh, which the school never had, or the Gateshead Local Authority never had before. Um, and we hope after Christmas, maybe the strike action will, will, will be able to suspend that and just continue working with Gateshead and Furfield to resolve all the outstanding issues in a, a measured and mature way. I suppose that goes to show the importance of taking strike action, you know, and sticking with it, you know, at a time when you're not really getting anywhere. And it's great to see the support down here. I mean, there's a lot of people on the picket line. There's people beeping their horns as we're kind of speaking now. Uh, and it just shows that, you know, you can get something in spite of all the kind of hurdles of the, you know, 2016 Trade Union Act. Um, is there any, anything else that you just want to say to, to people about the action, you know, John? Um, I mean, yeah, first of all, you know, thank you to to sister trade unions, the UCU and Unison, uh, NEU who have come and and, and stood with us on the picket line. I'd just like to say a massive thank you to our members who have stood solid, uh, even though they have been kind of lambasted by uh, the uh, chair of governors and the executive head teacher and all these games have been played. But the, the, the seven members have been absolutely solid throughout. They've suffered. Uh, some of them have, have suffered emotionally. Uh, their mental health has suffered, but we, we've tried to, uh, to to support them throughout this. And I think with our uh, staff at the regional centre, with our members, with members of the public giving support, with other trade unions giving support, we've eventually achieved um, what we set out to do. And it wasn't to, to change the world. It wasn't to, to get rid of anybody. It was to make Furrowfield a better place for people to work uh, and I think we're on that journey now and hopefully we'll secure that uh, in 2022 That's great Thanks John, all the best for the strike action Cheers, thanks Thanks very much John Thank you Now in this final section of this episode on industrial action I'm speaking to Brian Metcalf from the National Education Union Brian is a primary school teacher, he's the treasurer of Newcastle NEU and he's also the NEU's executive member looking at the independent sector and he's talking to us about a industrial action which is being planned for the new year around the issue of an attack on pensions. Okay, I'm joined now by Brian Metcalf from the National Education Union. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Hello. And can you just tell us about the dispute that you're involved in at Newcastle, which I understand is kind of a a national dispute as well. So can you just tell us a little bit about that, please? Yes. um, uh, It's a dispute that's particularly affecting independent school teachers at the minute that might spread to state school teachers as well. the most independent school teachers, like their state co- uh, counterparts, are paid with the teachers' pension scheme (TPS). Um, I'm told it's the best uh, possible pension for teachers to be enrolled in. Um, the government changed the rules back in September 2019, and the employer contribution went up from just over 16% to over 23%. And some of the independent schools in the country could not afford this increase and had to pull their teachers to the TPS. 
Um, but increasingly since then, we've also seen other employers who we are quite sure can pay also try to save money um, by taking their teachers out of the TPS. Um, as a union, the National Education Union, we've fought back against this. And at the minute, we've had over 60 successes in forcing governing bodies to change their minds and keep their teachers in the TPS. Um, and we've had a range of different ways of doing this nationally, but it's come to Newcastle now. And we've got Newcastle High School for Girls. It's part of a bigger conglomeration called the Girls' Day School Trust. They've got 23 schools across the country. And in September, they decided that they would try and take their teachers out of the TPS. Um, uh, the pension experts reckon it's worth about 20% less on their pensions at the end. So quite rightly, they've been fighting back against it. So um, we've been into meetings with the Girls' Day School Trust to say that they, this staff obviously don't want this to happen. And then we moved to an indicative strike ballot that came back about a week back. Um, across all 23 schools, 93% uh, turnout, which is brilliant for any kind of industrial action. And of that 93%, we got a matching 93% who said they were willing to take strike action. So that's where we are at the minute. We're about to go back into negotiations with the Guild Day School Trust as a union and see if we can get them to change their mind. But if not, come January, um, they'll be forced to go for a full formal strike ballot and pick some strike days in January um, to try and save their pensions. So that's where we are at the moment. And that's a pretty kind of clear message, isn't it? 93% of people, you know, saying that they're not happy and want to take action. And obviously, as you know, we need to get 50% plus one actually taking part in order mm -hmm. to have a legal industrial action. So getting 93% again turnout, that shows that there really is a kind of anger about this, doesn't it? Oh, there's, there's definitely a, a, a lot of anger about this. I mean, the teachers had come through COVID. They'd not had a pay rise. They hit September. Um, they thought they'd done well. They thought they were working for an employer, which had told them repeatedly that finances were good. Uh, the trust was doing very well. And then this was a belt out of the blue for them in September. So they're very angry about that. As you can see, 93%. Um, I think also across the trust, um, we've been picking up membership. I think teacher membership in the Girls' Day School Trust has grown by about 10% with people who've joined the National Education Union because they want to get involved and they want to get to take part of the strike ballot and, unfortunately, strike action as well if it happens. So people have been joining the Education Union so that they can take part. So, yeah, definite anger there. And I suppose one of the things that people want to know, you know, people who are listening in, what is it that they can do to kind of, you know, help or show their support for the action that you're taking to defend your pensions? Um, at the um, obviously, we've been pushing the fact that, look, we've got 93 percent. You can, you can see the anger. If come January that we, we do have to um, take part, have strike action in the 23 schools, then it will be one of the one of the cases that will be quite high profile. It'll be in local papers. We'll be looking to people to retweet it. We'll be looking to people to get involved. Um, one of the angles that we've got on this is that obviously, as a teacher, you do not want to just simply um, hand back your contract and be given a worse one with worse paying conditions. Um, and the Girls' Day School Trust will do that with a Section 188 notice, fire and rehire. And so we've been playing that angle um, very well because it shows the anger on a case of, look, you are going to effectively rip my contract up and give me a worse one. Um, so that kind of um, thing, again, is, is, is an angle that we've been working well with the press. 
and on social media on a case of, look, this is what happens to uh, to teachers. Well, thanks very much for updating us. And best of luck with that, Brian. Thank you very much. Um, you know, the, the staff are doing this themselves. 93% of them have been out uh, and voted. 93% of them said they're willing to take action. Um, and so as, as a union, um, it's our job to, to support them with, with that. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode looking at the issue of industrial action across a range of different institutions. Please don't forget to like, favourite, subscribe to this podcast or leave us a rating and a review. You can also share this on social media so that other people can listen to what we're talking about. Now, also on Twitter, if you want to follow the various trade unions that we've talked about, you can follow them at N-E-U-I-N-D-E sector or at N-E-U Northern or at Northeast N-A-S-U-W-T. Or you can follow the regional office of UCU at UCU Northern. Please tell others about this podcast and make sure that you don't miss our episodes in 2022. Thanks for listening. Bye now.